when I'm watching it, it's still just watching baseball to me. So I guess I'm lucky in that sense that I, you know, I can be immoral when I want to. <laughs> Odd thing I just noticed. He's literally the only person on this roster, save one other, whose weight does not end in a five or a zero. He's a good athlete. He's fast. He's got a decent arm. He's playing the wrong sport. Like, he, he doesn't look like a baseball player at all. And welcome to Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 177, where we schedule our preseason shows the way the Blue Jays decide on their home park. I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined, as ever, uh, by the intrepid Joshua Housem. I just like I words. It's true. You do. How are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> Seems natural. Uh, we're going to kind of turn things topsy turvy today because this is the roster show. This is the, the 30 and 45 because we didn't want to bore you to death with 60 minutes of just talking about names, weights, and heights. Uh, because, and now there's 30 people in on the roster. We used to do 25 and 50, and that math no longer works, as does none of the other math <laughs> in any of baseball. Um, you know, other than run scored, I think that's that they haven't changed run scored values, have they? Not I yet. Mean, it's still one per. Okay, don't put it past them. <laughs> but we do have a do over, uh, an associated um, sort of. Uh, well, well, we'll call it a honorary gold star, and then of course, of course, we have a question from you guys. So we're going to start uh, with a do over, which uh, I think this is the one we like. Oops! I said the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. <laughs> but what if you could do it all over again? But what I really meant was Brad Ziegler, good old Brad Ziegler. So the Blue Jays were having some trouble finding a home, which, um, I mean, we could talk about that for 10 minutes. <laughs> Did, didn't like three podcasts ago, I said, just play in Buffalo. And you told me what? Uh... I think I probably said that there, that there were things about it that weren't viable, and they're still not. <laughs> yep. But nevertheless, ah, yeah. well, nevertheless, uh, <laughs> Brad Ziegler said on Twitter at Brad Ziegler, "quote Maybe it's just me, but I would be all for the Blue Jays making a permanent move to somewhere in the U.S. like Charlotte. Maybe this is the signal to MLB that it's time to think about it." Unquote. Wow! What a what a bad thing to tweet at a bad time yeah it's just a, look he, he can have the opinion that the, the playing canvas talks fine like you know it's really stupid but it's it's an opinion but like of all the times like just read the room a little bit <laughs> um so obviously the most dangerous place in the world to be at the moment is the united states if you're worried about the coronavirus so i don't know how moving to charlotte's going to improve anything for anybody the, re, the, the canada wasn't the problem the problem was coming back and forth to the United States. But, you know, Brad doesn't have to think about that. So, of right. course, Brad got uh, ratioed to death, I'm sure. Um, so he followed with, this was a joke, people. You guys need a vacation. Dude. Like, yeah, I mean... a vacation in the context of everything that's happened? No, people do not need a vacation. People have had a forced vacation for three months. <laughs> but again read the room <laughs> the context for all of this was just hilariously bad but even just like say that people had you know that life was normal 
you know, obviously that scenario doesn't make any sense because then Jays would have a home. But just uh-huh. go with me for a second. <laughs> <laughs> this was a joke, people. Just like keep that part. When you say something and you get rightfully called out for it, you can't just say, oh, it was a joke. It very clearly was not a joke. Or if it was, you can't keep insisting it was funny when the entire audience tells you to shut up. Yeah, but I, I would have had, I said, I think I tweeted this actually, like, I would have had so much more respect for Ziegler here if he just owned his opinions. Like, look, this is what I think. If you disagree, so be it. But like, like reading the, the original tweet again, maybe it's just me. But I would be all for the Blue Jays making a permanent move to somewhere in the U.S. like Charlotte. Maybe this is the signal to MLB that it's time to think about it. In what world is any of that a joke? You don't joke with maybe it's just me. That doesn't even, that's not a joke. It's an opinion. I don't. Yeah. So I, I guess the answer ultimately for him was yes. Yes, Brad. It is just you. Um and then another follow-up tweet. It's so easy to trigger Twitter followers. So many people think every word is just so serious. Uh, <laughs> if it's everybody, I don't think it's on them. I think maybe nope. it's on you. So this is where we... two-way street. <laughs> yeah. My God. So, yeah. Thanks for coming out. You look like an idiot. Um, Brad Ziegler famously threw sidearm. Uh, submarine submarine so of course we have an honorary gold star because on twitter the important part is not the tweet it's the reply so here's the gold star stinger just for a uh, very special person i think that's rather brilliant so i did good right i mean i would have thought you'd get a gold star you enjoy that you've earned it isaac at ib underscore blue jays our our old friend isaac re- replied didn't think you could stoop lower than your own arm angle. <laughs> <laughs> Just gold. <laughs> uh, thanks, Ike. We appreciate your contribution. That is the first, when I bring up the reply, I don't know if it's based on my follower, you know, followers and followed, but it is the first response I see. Yeah, me too. So I'm going to think uh, that got, you know, the love it so greatly deserved. Um. <sighs> lot lot of Blue Jay fans in there wondering why Brad Ziegler has an opinion, but uh, maybe he won't have any more opinions after this. Uh, we also asked for questions. I, I don't know if I can play the question stinger because this isn't technically a question. No, I don't think we need to. <laughs> it's, I'm going to gonna wear out the button anyway. Uh, so what, what response did we get to our, our request for questions today? So yeah, the, the, the request said baseball is back and the Jays are one and oh, and then, you know, called for questions. And we got a response from B-Ball Dad 44745. <laughs> no, no, you've forgotten. <laughs> you have forgotten part of his name. Please continue. Yeah, sorry. 44745 baseball emoji, basketball emoji. I don't know what the hell that next one is. <laughs> TV like a- Cardinal Canada flag guy on a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad we got away from the Egyptian hieroglyphics thousands of years ago. <laughs> you really improved. Um, at bball dad four four seven five says actually two point seven and O instead of one and O, but who's counting? So in terms of, of shorthand, um, I think actually this this might be useful for some folks watching this season. You know, it's not I, obviously a win is just one win. But um, the idea that one win is weighted about a little more than two and a half wins 
because of the length of the season is an interesting thing to chew on, I think. Sure is. I mean, it really puts into context how important each game actually is. Right, because a four-game winning streak at this point is akin to a you know a ten-game winning streak. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and like it's almost eleven, even. But you look at yeah. like this series against the Rays that they're playing right now. They won Game One. That is the equivalent of taking basically three games in the trop <laughs> in, in one game. You know, given the context of the Jays and the way they normally play their season, although they actually play a higher percentage now you know the cell screwed yeah. up but you know <laughs> that's why i said it's, it's useful shorthand it's not accurate shorthand. yeah yeah but no it's this is going to be a weird year because like you know this first 12 games that the jays have where it goes tampa washington philly atlanta that's the first 12 tampa washington philly atlanta if they can come out of that like seven and five or six and six then they're actually in really good shape going forward, even though it's only 12 games into the season. It's going to be so weird. Yep. Like the baseball season is shorter than the hockey season and the basketball season. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> Still longer than the football season. I guess we got something working for us. Um, <laughs> when it gets down below that level, I think we just don't watch. <laughs> we uh, yeah, That's going to be the weird playoff format that we will talk about next week. Because we'll have time to. Um, also, quickly, I'd like to touch on uh, thank two people for responding to our question for other uh, for the rest of folks. Matt Sweeby at Blue Jay Matt and Colleen Evans at Colleen Evans Six. Um, both reflected on on our request is does baseball seem real? Uh, Matt said no. Um, normally, he's he's you know looking at uh, at rosters and mulling things over, and now he's just hoping nobody dies. Now, I, I honestly, Matt, I don't think anybody's going to die. I, I think um, some people might get sick. Obviously, Soto, I think, tested positive this week, and they ignored all the protocols, so that was fun. Um, he also immediately tested negative right after. But uh, Should be false positive. There are such yeah. things. Uh, and then Colleen um, says the baseball itself seems real because she was watching inter-squad games. Uh, but she's also stressed uh, because, you know, she's excited and conflicted all at the same time. And I, I think that's where I'm at, is it's pretty cool. But somehow my fingers are permanently crossed here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I totally get that. I get that perspective from all both the respondents and from you. I'm more on the separating the two brains kind of thing. <laughs> I fully know it's a bad idea <laughs> and that it's risky and dangerous. But when I'm watching it, it's still just watching baseball to me. So I guess I'm lucky in that sense that I've. You know, I can be immoral when I want to. <laughs> oh, lovely. Yeah, yeah. You, you just put your head in the bubble and off you go. My uh, head in the sand. Yeah. The, 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 you put your hand in the infield dirt. We're going to call that. There we go. Uh, okay. And there's hardly, there is infield dirt at the trop, although it might be too shallow to actually bury one's head in. <laughs> so this is about a 30-man roster, which will soon become a 28-man roster. But it includes a three-man taxi squad. Are you confused yet? I was confused. <laughs> it's well, and also it's going to go to twenty-six men. So, like you even skipped one of the steps. Yeah. Today it's a thirty-man roster. Ergo, we are going to talk about the thirty people who were available to the Blue Jays uh, yesterday when they took the field for their very first game, and the very first person who uh, handled the ball 
for the Blue Jays was Hyunjin Ryu. So let's start with Hyunjin Ryu, I think. Did you go first? Yeah, sure. Uh, Six foot three, bats right, throws left, uh, 255 pounds, which he looks it, even though he's six six foot three, and he's 33 years old. I mean, this, this was the you know world champion signing of uh of the current regime's era this is this is the big contract this is the superstar this is if he is not good the blue jays are going to have one heck of a time going anywhere or doing anything this year so off we go with an actual ace at the start of the rotation yeah i mean <clears throat> It's it's a huge thing, and I was you know, we have to say his first start didn't go quite as planned, but you know that's one outing. He's you know his command his command was a little different than it normally is. He's awesome, and as far as the sixty game season Ryu goes, I think he's even better because the odds of him holding up for twelve, thirteen starts are a lot better than him holding up for thirty. Yeah, and he's Absolutely. healthy now, so it's like it's uh, it's actually an advantage for the Blue Jays in this sense to have the shorter season when it comes to Hyun Jin Ryu and. You know, this this may come up again. <laughs> uh, anytime, yes, the Blue Jays are looking for an advantage. They will take it. So, um, anything else you want to say about Ryu? I, I, think I mean, I, I think we've covered Ryu so much in depth over the last, you know, like back when they signed him and then during spring training. He's a true number one when he's healthy. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball. Right. And first start, he was healthy. We're off to the, we're off in the right direction. Okay. So, number two. Tell me about our number two starter. Yeah, so starting, we're recording this starting in about five minutes, is, is Matt Shoemaker. <laughs> you know, righty, bats, right, bats and throws right, 6'2", 225, also 33 years old. And when I said about repeating itself, like with Hyunjin Ryu, the issue with Shoemaker has always been his ability to stay healthy, far less so than his actual performance. Because... For the most part, Matt Shoemaker has been a very good pitcher. I mean, obviously, we saw it last year where he just dominated in four and a bit starts. But he's also, you know, he's had ERAs under four a few times. And, you know, he's good. It's just a matter of him staying on the field. And again, he's healthy now and the season is shorter. So it looks good that he could at least be a solid contributor for the Blue Jays. Yeah, and and from all all we've heard, he's been very focused on on staying, you know, being ready to be on the field. So um, he he had built up his stamina on his own, working out. Um, we we had an injury that was not an arm injury last year, which also I think is is probably a good sign um, because you know you're you're looking at him trying to rehab something that isn't directly related to shoulder and elbow and and all that stuff where things can get really messy with the pitcher so at 33 i think um shoemaker you know you would hope could have the best very short season of his career yep lots of fancy splitters let's see them (laughs) all right number three is trent thornton trent thornton is uh he feels like he's homegrown but he's not bats right throws right six feet 195 pounds only 26 years old ha ha uh, Trent Thornton, very good when he's good, and then he has starts where he's just not <laughs> at all good. And I think what we've been looking for from Trent is consistency, because uh, a, a consistently good Trent Thornton is what you would hope for in a, a number three starter, a guy who can put up zeros, but you know um, you don't want him out there for an inning and a third, which has happened a couple of times in his career, which, you know, 
the ability to make adjustments is something that you're hoping he matures into, I think. Yeah. And, you know, he's talked about working on some things in the offseason to try to do that. And yeah, like, as you mentioned, like when he's good, he's been very, very good. So we know that there's the potential for a very strong middle rotation or even slightly better starter there. He's got the velocity. He's got the funky leg kick, the breaking ball. So if he can just refine things just a little bit, I think it could go really well. Indeed. Uh, and you know, the sad thing is that with the short season, this is the flip side. It's not enough time to really tell what he is, even if it goes okay. Right. So, I mean, this year is just this year. We we don't want to make too many projections. Uh, quite quite the, the timer went off. <laughs> yes, it did. We're out of we're out of time. I'm sorry. Uh, all right. So the next dude is Tanner Roark. Tell me yeah. more. His Tanner Roark is a six foot two righty. Listed at 238 pounds, another 33-year-old pitcher. I just like these 33-year-olds, apparently. I mean, I've said a lot about Tanner Roark signing and why I don't think it makes sense, <laughs> because they have a bunch of guys who I think are just as good as Tanner Roark. But Tanner Roark does stay healthy, right? He's a guy who's made 30 or more starts four years in a row. And, you know, for the Jays, that's something that, you know, again, in a longer season when they signed him, does have value. And for now, I think that having that veteran stability also can help like, guide them through some of the craziness that's going right now and really help bring some of the young guys along You know, because he has a routine down. And he, gets, like, he knows how to pitch every fifth day, knows how to get the job done. And he is solid. Like He's a good fourth, fifth starter. So it's not like he's a wasted spot. I just, you know, he wasn't necessary. No, but now that he's there, I mean, you're, you're, and you had an injury, uh, you're definitely going to use him. Um, Odd thing I just noticed. He's literally the only person on this roster, save one other, whose weight does not end in a five or a zero. So he's the only one who's actually honest, honest but also <laughs> but also it's like is that accurate like what? One once every few days? I mean no one's weight stays that specific. <laughs> okay. Uh and and for now, and I emphasize for now. So the, the final starter is supposed to be Thomas Hatch. Uh, I'm going to confess. I, I don't know much about Thomas Hatch. He's, he's a righty-righty, six foot one, 205 pounds, only 25 years old. Why did Thomas Hatch end up our fifth starter? You tell me. Well, first, let's talk about Thomas Hatch a little bit first. So he was a guy that they, the Blue Jays got for David Phelps last year. He had just learned a cutter. And then he came over here and was just dominant for New Hampshire. 34 strikeouts and two walks in 35 innings. So he increased his changeup usage and learned how to throw this cutter. And, and the Jays basically feel that with this combination of pitches that he started using heavily for them, that he is going to be much better than he showed in the Cubs system, that he's actually a very viable big league starter. Now, the reason he's actually in the rotation now is because Chase Anderson has an oblique injury and he's on the IL and they needed someone to fill the spot. That's <laughs> not Nate Pearson. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we're going to get to discuss the taxi squad. I think we are, but we'll, yeah, we'll get there, obviously. So, I mean, it's nice to have another pitcher under, you know, or 25 or under who is showing potential, who the Blue Jays think is worth a rotation spot, um, because the other guy you might have ended up with there was Shun Yamaguchi, right? Yeah, and so the Jays, are, and Hatch is the starter, and I'm, I'm using air quotes, because Anthony Kay is also going to piggyback with him. Like, they're they're both bulk pitchers, essentially, because neither of them stretched out that far. But I actually was surprised 
to some degree that Yamaguchi wasn't used here, but then if it's just one turn through the rotation, may as well just have Yamaguchi be a reliever for you. Exactly. All right. To the bullpen. To Anthony Bass. I, st- I stole a hatch from you, so you can go again. Okay. Bats right, throws right. Six foot two, 200 pounds, 32 years old. We have a veteran reliever. Is that fair? Yes, it is. It, it, is, is, is this someone, you know, we, we, they're carrying 15 pitchers. So this is one of those, you need someone to cover all those middle innings. No, Anthony Bass is, in, is like firmly in the mix for the late innings. Like he pitched okay. in the seventh inning in, in yesterday's game. He's interesting. So Bass came over, I think it was on a waiver claim from the Mariners, but he was good for Seattle last year. So I don't really know why they cut him. And he's, you know, he was good the year before for the Cubs, but you know, he's been in, he had some injury problems in 2017 and 18. So yeah, I mean, he throws pretty hard. He throws decent enough strikes. So yeah, I mean, I'm happy about him. I I think he's going to be a very useful part of the bullpen. All right. Fair enough. Um, Next, AJ Cole. This is the guy you were just thinking of in terms of like what his role is. <laughs> We've got a 30 man roster. So sure. Why not? <laughs> I mean, AJ. Yeah. So AJ Cole is a, he's another big pitcher, six, five, two forty, twenty-eight 28 years old. He was a former top prospect when he was in the, uh, when he's in the, the nationals organization, but he, you know, like it didn't really work out there. He had a good year last year in relief for the Indians for the Clevelands. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he's middle infield fodder. I mean, middle, middle of, of the bullpen fodder. He was warming up in the eighth inning, but he's not supposed to be pitching in the eighth inning. Right. Was he a non-roster invitee? He was, but he, he earned a spot and he was a guy who always seemed like he was going to earn a spot. He gets decent amount of strikeouts. You know, he doesn't throw that hard, but he has good deception in his delivery. So I think that, you know, he's a guy who could actually stick once the rosters drop, but you know, more in the pitching in the fifth and sixth kind of thing as opposed to in the seventh and eighth all right and now we're going to get to the point where i mispronounce someone's name perfect (laughs) rafael dolis nailed it oh dang it uh right-handed thrower and hitter although we're not gonna have to worry about that ever because there's a universal dh um six foot four 235 pounds 32 years old and probably more exciting than some of the other names on here if you uh you know, you want to talk about guys who are late inning, hard thrower, dominant pitchers. Yeah, I mean, Delise was a closer in Japan for the last four or five years, actually. And so the, so the Jays brought him over and you know, to hope that he can bring that kind of thing over here. Yes, yeah, so from the last four years in Japan, he was a very good reliever and you know, he has the stuff. It's just a matter of whether he throws enough strikes, which he did in Japan and has not in the two games he's pitched on television so far. But, you know, he Turn the camera quite, off. <laughs> yeah, he throws quite hard. He's got a nasty splitter and an okay slider, which, you know, sounds like the makings of a late inning relief pitcher. So, you know, like if he can throw just a few more strikes than he did in these outings, he'll be very useful. Which I, I'm sure he's going to get a few shots at uh, with, with the number of times they're going to have to go to relief pitchers in this setup. Um, so yeah, that should be interesting. Probably, probably, you know, one of those getting to know you kind of seasons for, for someone, uh, someone we already know is the next on the list, which is Sam Gavilio. 
Yeah, Sam Gavilli just keeps surviving. <laughs> Six foot one, two fifteen, thirty years old, and he's firmly down the depth chart now. Thankfully, <laughs> you know he's a long reliever. That, that's his role, and same with another guy we're going to get to in a bit. But you know, he just keeps leading the Jays in or being among their leaders in innings and starts because you know they've had depth issues this year. They don't. So in terms of the, you, I don't think he's going to make a start. I'd be shocked if he makes a start all year, but he still could be useful, especially in the early going with, uh, you know, with pitchers not being fully stretched out, you know, just being able to bridge the gap to the late inning relievers. He has been useful in terms of whatever role they've asked him for. He's He's been able to put up some innings and not get rocked around, you know, all the time. He's He's, he's been flexible and adjustable. So I think, you know, feeling like you, you can put him in, Whenever you you're really in need of somebody, um, I think that's probably a, a good feeling for Charlie Montoya. Yeah, I mean, being able to have a guy that you can trust in multiple roles is definitely valuable. Yeah, even if he's not your most overpowering pitcher. No. Hey, did I say most overpowering pitcher? What a segue! <laughs> <laughs> There's Ken Giles, six foot three. 210 pounds, 29 years old, and well worth every penny of the Roberto Osuna trade. More than worth that. Um, yeah, Giles is the closer. One of the better closers in baseball. He's already closed out a game in this season. Does he get 2.7 saves for that? <laughs> <laughs> Could see some goofy stats if we start doing that. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, Giles has has a killer fastball, wipeout slider, and he's um, generally been exactly what the Jays have needed. Although they've had to ease off on his usage last season a little bit when they, you know, he, he was injured but not not out of commission injured. Uh, but if they can go to him every other day, I I think that, that they'll press that button every single chance they get because he's that dominant. Yeah, and he should be even able to pitch a bit more often than that, even given the you know the abridged schedule. Like I mean, I don't know. There's not much, there's not much to add to that. He is when he's pitching one of the very best relievers in baseball. And then, you know, I don't know what more you need to say than that. He throws, you know, he's a guy who throws enough strikes with the stuff that he has that he's just so tough. Yeah, absolutely. So we're gonna see some big numbers with K's. We're gonna see some big numbers, hopefully, with. You know, saves, although they are, of course, a fun statistic, not really a super indicative statistic. It would help, though, because it would mean the Jays were ahead <laughs> more often. Yeah. All right. Yeah, the so more we... innings Jaws shows, the better it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so then we go to Anthony Kay. Yeah. So Anthony Kay, originally, when I was putting this list together, I had him listed as a starter, but I thought that's why he was on the roster. He's not. So Kay's, you know, he was. Or I guess I should give his stats too. You know, he's six mm-hmm. foot, two twenty five, twenty five year old lefty. You know, lefty. He was one of the. Are we allowed to have those? Just as pitchers, <laughs> not as hitters. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, he was one of the key pieces in the Marcus Stroman trade. He kind of got lost in the Simeon Woods Richardson hype, but Kay was a top prospect for the Mets, who just had a really rough first stint in AAA last year, and all of a sudden people were down on him, calling him a fifth, sixth starter. He's not. He's good. He throws pretty hard. He's got a good breaking ball and a good changeup. And I think that he's a guy who could be a very useful starter for the Blue Jays going forward. And if the Jays didn't have all the other starters that they have, he would be a very useful part of this year's rotation. I think the the 30-man the roster 
and no no Buffalo to put him in is absolutely what you're saying is, you know, Anthony K would be starting in Buffalo if if they couldn't find a spot for him on a regular roster. But this is not normal and you don't want Anthony K sitting with his feet up at home, I don't think. No, and you know, there are other pitchers for him that's true as well. But I, I think he just he's a guy that could be useful, like you know, like a better version of Gavilio even, or just as a lefty out of the pen if they need that, because they don't have much of that. Which, I mean, the only other lefty out of the pen is the next name, Brian Moran. Uh, throws left, bats left, six foot four, two hundred twenty-five pounds, thirty-one years old. Was he the other non-roster invitee to make the? He was. Bullpen? Yeah. But again, sometimes relievers seem like they're a dime a dozen. It, it, am I wrong? <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, he's left-handed though, which the Blue Jays are obviously we we were joking about it, but literally, Genjin Ryu, Anthony Kay, and Brian Moran are the only lefties they have to throw at anybody in any situation, even though they have 15 pitchers. Yeah, so Moran is interesting because he made his major league debut last year at 30, and he's a side-arming lefty, but has always been not a loogie, so it's kind of unusual. I'm very yeah. curious to. To see how they use him, because he's always had like huge strikeout numbers in the minors. So I don't know. I mean, like the, you'd think that a sidewinding lefty would be less useful with the three batter minimums, but he's a full inning pitcher. So who knows? Well, maybe that's that's why that specific lefty made the the rosters because they can leave him in for those other two batters and know that he's got something to get them out with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we'll see. But yeah, that definitely sounds correct. Have you raised your Canadian flag for the next person? Damn right. Yeah, right there in Josh's apartment slash house is is a Canadian flag for Jordan Romano. Yeah, so people may remember Jordan Romano, the six foot five, two twenty five pound, twenty seven year old righty. The Jays actually lost him in the Rule Five draft last year, but the uh, the Rangers didn't want to keep him on their roster, and they sent him back. And you know, Romano struggled a bit with the Jays last year, but then in the off season he really focused on becoming a pure reliever as opposed to a starter. So he junked his change up and then tweaked his slider with a Repsoto machine. And now he just looks awesome. <laughs> He's out there throwing 98 miles an hour with a tight, really sharp slider. And I mean, he looks like he should be the setup guy to Ken Giles by, you know, a week into the season. I mean, even in his outing against the Rays in game one, he looked fantastic. Um, Romano last year, did he come in throwing 100 plus the first couple outings and then rapidly lost that velocity? He did. Yeah. So he also worked on his training in the off season to, to may be able to maintain his power throughout the season. Cause he'd never, he didn't really know what role he was working towards last year. So it was a little difficult for him. Now he knows he's a reliever. Just do that. Well, and, and I hope that works because watching a guy go from like 101 popping to like 97 in two outings is like, okay, it's something you're, you're not approaching that in a way that's consistent and that's going to cause you problems all over the place right yep so all yeah. the best to jordan romano future setup man and now my favorite name on the wasp roster jacob Wagusback. <laughs> Wagusback is a righty back to the righties six foot six 235 uh 26 years old he was part of which trade uh he was for uh lefty Aaron Loop. Aaron Loop. Um Yeah, you're gonna have to help me out here. Okay. Was he, <laughs> was, was he not a, a, a starter 
originally? Yeah, he was. And he started a bit for the Jays last year. He actually did reasonably well. And his ERA was 4.4, 4.38. He had some outings where he got a bunch of strikeouts, got a good curveball, throws low, mid-90s. He's the other guy that's in the Sam Gavilio role who actually has some upside. Right. And I think if he actually... Sorry? He's four years younger, which I think helps. Yeah, and he's just got... You know, he throws harder, right? So it's there's more upside just on that alone. I think that if he cements himself in that role doing, like, you know, actually getting the job done, I think it will make Gavilio superfluous for the first time in the last few years. And he might be a guy down the road when they need to do roster things that might be an odd man out, despite being such a good soldier. Well, any times we can say Waggus back repeatedly, I'm all for it. Yeah, and they got a useful big leaguer for Aaron Loop. So, heck yeah. And our last pitcher, but not least pitcher, Shun Yamaguchi. Yeah, so I'm actually really curious what's going to happen with him because uh, the six foot two hundred and ninety eight pound is his listed weight on one thing, two twenty five on the Blue Jays site. So what, <laughs> what happened there? <laughs> but uh, you know, he came over from Japan, and he was very good there. You know, he was an excellent starter, and he was a closer before that. So we've talked about the various swing roles that he can he can play, but it doesn't sound like there's any confidence in him from the from Charlie Montoya right now. I mean, he's got a good splitter, the slider, but I guess he hasn't shown much early in camp because he didn't pitch yesterday. Again, we're recording this on Saturday afternoon uh, when they used Romano, Bass, Dolis, and Giles, and then today the leverage relievers are Gavilio and Cole. So Yamaguchi's not in the mix there. He's not in the mix to start. So I really think he's going to have to earn his role. I am somewhat confident that he will, though, just based on what he has done in the past and the stuff. It seems weird that they would have gone through the trouble to bring him over and then be like, well, you're not quite what we thought we had, I guess. You know, we should probably do something with you. Like, it just seems kind of noncommittal on the Blue Jays' part. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know. I don't really get it, but we'll see. I mean, they, there's just so many things right now, so many moving parts, so many players in the roster as we're only like halfway through. Actually, we are halfway through. <laughs> so, yeah, it's we'll see how this all plays out as the season goes. All right, which means if we're halfway, we must be out of pitchers into position player. So our first position player is catcher Danny Jansen. Bats right, throws right. I like every catcher throws right. Um, six foot two, 225 pounds, 25 years old. So he was the opening day catcher last year. Big prospect, um, big, wonderful pedigree as an offensive catcher. And he kind of, kind of stunk it up a bit offensively, um, to say the least, uh, but nevertheless was way better than advertised defensively, both from a pitch calling perspective and from a catch and throw, um, perspective on the bases. So if Danny Jensen can go find, the potential he had as an offensive player, even even just a little bit, um, teamed up with Reese McGuire, I, I think the Blue Jays have a really good catching situation, but it's a big what if. Yeah, I mean, well, we'll get to McGuire in a second. You know, Jansen was, he made some tweaks to to get his swing back to the, where, he, where he thought it was, and he was tearing the ball up at the beginning, like in the real spring training. And then... He looked okay in the summer camp. So I'm very, he's another guy I'm very curious to see because like Jansen throughout, through the minors, I mean, he was a big on base guy, right? Who hit for a good average with some pop, but not a ton. 
and that just didn't happen last year. But, you know, it was a rookie, right? So I'm I'm very confident in him. Uh, and then the other guy who was maybe more of a surprise last year was uh, Reese McGuire. Yeah, so Reese McGuire is the opposite, right? The guy, the big time defensive reputation. You know, he's good size for a catcher, six feet, two fifteen, so like not too short, but not too tall and and big either, so he can move around quickly. He's got a great arm, great defensive catcher. Like that is Reese McGuire's reputation. And then he came up and raked. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, the interesting thing with McGuire, so like he he never hit well in the minors, but he also got really rushed all the time by Pittsburgh. Like he would not hit well, they'd move him up. Not hit well, they'd move him up because his defense was so good. And then he hit very well for the Blue Jays in the minors in 2017. After they, you know, they they put him in double A, played part of the season because he was hurt, but he hit really well, and then not so well in 2018. But he has the swing and the like, the talent to be a decent hitter, just hasn't happened. So it's hard to predict that it will happen. And it seems like he has more pop, maybe than you would have thought for a catcher who's you know got a defensive reputation, not just you know raw hitting ability, but actual power. So I don't know. Yeah, it, it, the the fact that the Blue Jays have a young left right. Um, catcher combo that both have the potential to be a quote-unquote everyday catcher. I'm curious when the last time that was. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> like Pat Borders, Greg Myers? Are we going back that far? Well, I'm sure it's been more recent than that when they had like Greg Zahn and, and Benji Rod- Molina. I think that, that, was a good, that was a good combo. But neither of those were like Zahn might have been younger at that time, but Molina was ancient, right? Yeah, yeah, no, good. Two good young catchers is, yeah, <laughs> hasn't happened in a long time. All right, Bo Bichette, who is probably unexpectedly to me the fan favorite. I think he's a righty, um, six foot, one eighty five. Man, that's <laughs> there's nothing to him compared to most of this roster. Twenty two years old. Um, I think Bichette has won the hearts and minds of of many many fans with his hair and his flashy play and his uh his seeming uh i don't want to call it grit his real passion for the game um both offensively and defensively and his ability so son of a former all-star we're going to say that over and over again not just about bichette uh i think i think he's absolutely just got to continue to do what he did last year and everybody's going to be happy with him yeah, I mean, you know, what he did last year was a superstar. So sure, <laughs> if he keeps doing that, he doesn't have to be that good. Not yet. He just needs to be good enough. You know, be something close to that. Not have a big because like what he did was basically what Brett Laurie did in his first tune up with the call up with the Jays. So somewhat of a cautionary tale. But he has the talent. I mean, he's got the prospect pedigree. So there's no reason to think he can't be a really good impact player. And he's been getting better every year. That's a dangerous thing to say right there. But yeah, maybe. Any, well, I'm not saying he's going to be a better hitter, but like, you know, he's been like improving his defense one year and his base running. Like he works so hard and it keeps showing up. So I'm, I have all the confidence in him to be good, even if he's not, you know, the super monster offensive force that he was last year, which is hard to sustain. All right. Well, speaking of guys who are apparently working very hard to get better, Kevin Biggio. Yeah. So 6'2, 200 pounds 25 years old biggio he has this reputation as a a guy who's going to strike out a ton but he'll get his value with his walks and his base running and his power and all that 
I have a lot more confidence in him actually as a hitter than I used to because he sort of noticed that he was being passive as opposed to patient. And he started swinging a lot more in September and his numbers went way up. And then he, in the first couple of games of this season, he's been much more aggressive early in the count and he's got four hits already. So look, it's early season. It doesn't mean a whole lot, the actual numbers, but the approach change could be very beneficial to someone who has his ability to control the strike zone and his power. Yeah, because that that we we've seen the ability to uh, walk, have we not? Consistently from from the beginning of the call up, it's just what what he does when he actually swings the bat. I seem to remember having this conversation last year a lot. Yeah, and he is a great base runner, and it really and he's actually turned out to be a capable second baseman. Which you know the, the knock on him was his defense, but he did just fine at least by Statcast metrics last year. All right, so from. Outside the system, we have Santiago Espinal, uh, righty, five foot ten, hundred eighty-one pounds, which makes him the lightest guy on this entire roster from the looks of it. Um, Twenty-five years old, and this is the answer to the question: What does a World Series MVP cost? Because he was the Steve Pierce <laughs> <laughs> trade. I don't think anybody knew Steve Pierce was the World Series MVP when the trade happened, but but you know that's how it feels. Um, Versatility, I guess, is his calling card here. He can play all around the infield. Um, and I, to my understanding, what I've read, the Blue Jays have been impressed so far with, with that um, that ability and, and, and also his potential. So, I mean, you need, you need someone to sub in for all of these all-star, quote-unquote, um, infielders, right? Yeah, he's at, again, as we're recording this, there's a game going on. He's playing third. He's in Vlad is DHing. But, uh, you know, Espinal's value, as you said, like he's very versatile. Now, I, and unlike a Brandon Drury type where he can play a bunch of positions, Espinal is actually pretty solid at a bunch of positions. So like he's actually a capable shortstop, second baseman, third baseman, not just a body there. He's good bat to ball skills. He'll take some walks. He doesn't have much power. But as a 25th guy or sixth guy on a normal roster or in this case, 30 rosters, <laughs> very, very useful piece to have. Indeed. Uh, so did we get to the point where you get to say the most about Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Would you like to? I can give it no, to you no. if you like. I'll, I'll, well, who needs to say anything about Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? All he needs to do is fulfill the potential. Six foot two, 250 pounds. At least they're being honest about that. 21 years old. Still the youngest man on the roster. Um, yeah, if if he could come from from where he was last year to fulfill any of the potential he showed in the minor leagues, the Blue Jays are in great shape. Yes, and he's playing first base now to take some of the pressure off trying to, you know, become a good third baseman. And he did some work in the offseason to try to get more loft in his swing because part of the issue, or not even some more loft, just try and get so he can hit the ball in the air more because he's hitting the ball so hard but right into the ground. And we've seen his power. We we know what he can do. I mean, even Blue Jays fans have seen it, even if they didn't get the, the regular season numbers just by watching the home run derby. The the, the strength and the and the ability is so high. It's just a matter of tapping into it. And obviously the hope here is that he will. Yeah. He, he, no one questions his ability to put the bat on the ball. It's just what happens after that has been not what was expected initially. But I think this is the kind of adjustment that a hitter can make. If he's already got the ability to put the bat on the ball, he's not a strikeout machine. Um, So yeah, I I think the potential is still very, very, very good for Guerrero Jr. Yep. All right. We're going to give you Joe Panic, except I'm only going to say one thing. Joe Panic is only 29. 
<laughs> Joe, he's, Joe Pennick's one of those guys that like he comes up young and he's noteworthy on a team that's good. So you're like, oh, geez, when, when, you know, cause he came up in the 2014 Giants at age 23 and he was a starter for them. Right. And then he sort of fades into obscurity because he was on the Giants. <laughs> and they weren't and, the 2014 Giants. <laughs> no. And, you know, he wasn't very good in 2018 and for the first half of 2019. So it's just sort of like the guy who fades from a higher level, you feel like he's old. He's not. Panic is useful. I mean, he, you know, he went to the Mets. He had more similar to his career numbers, which is about a league average bat. But he can play first. He can play second. He can play third. He can play the outfield. So he's he's the left-handed version of Brandon Drury, basically. I mean, that's the best way to describe him, which may not sound that flattering, but I actually think Brandon Drury is a lot better than most people think he is. So I, I think Panic is a useful piece, especially with the way this season is going. Yeah, and I think with the, the, the 15 position players on the roster, a guy like Panic makes sense um, to sub in for people, um, you know, whenever needed. He obviously has, quote-unquote, veteran skills without, as we said, being, you know, 38 years old. Nobody on this roster is more than 34 years old, by the way, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, credit switched him a few years ago when they were the oldest team in baseball three years in a row. And one thing with Panic too, he's a left-handed hitter, but he has no discernible platoon splits, really. He's a bit more power against righties, but his batting average on base percentage are almost exactly the same. All right, so uh, next is quarantine man Travis Shaw, who, who will surely be watched by all the reporters to see if he's sneaking out at night after his unfortunate comments. Um... Uh, bats left was brought in to play well was brought in originally we heard to back up vlad at third but now it looks like that's going to be you know his his more or less full-time job while vlad plays first right yeah shaw was supposed to be the everyday first baseman but now he's moved back to his natural position which is third yeah six foot four 230 uh 30 years old um he's you know not going to blow any record books away, but you, if you, if you need a guy who consistently play third, you know, capably, um, and has some, some power and, and, you know, fill a full-time quote unquote, full-time, I guess, role at that position. I, I think Shaw as a lefty seems like a, a, a good bet. Yeah. I mean, in 27 and 18, he was a really, really good player for the Milwaukee Brewers. I mean, by wins above replacement, he was over three and over four. You know, he had 30 home runs in both seasons on base percentage in the mid 340s with good defense at third base. That's a really solid player. And he was just terrible last year. I mean, <laughs> by far the worst of his career. He tried to do a swing change to get in the launch angle craze. I don't know why you're changing your swing when you're putting up the numbers he was putting up, but he did. It went horribly. And he tried, and now he's trying to go back to his old mechanics and. If he can find anything close to what he's been the first four years of his career, then the Jays have a very useful piece. All right. Rowdy Tellez. Tellez? Big boy. Yeah. Also left-handed, which I think is the only reason he's on this team. Yeah, I mean, Batson throws left, 6'4", 255. He's 25 years old. Tellez had a fantastic summer camp, and he looked good in spring. he's, He's been doing work. He just destroying the ball in in the early going. I mean, just hitting just a lot of home runs and a lot of big home runs. And, you know, that's his calling card is the power. It was just really about how much he can get to that power because he can hit the ball deep. But last year, frankly, he just didn't hit the ball enough. His overall line was acceptable-ish, 227 batting average but and 293 on base. But because of the power, his OPS was 742. But essentially, he just needs to be a guy who can hit 
250 with a 320 on base. And he's useful as opposed to what he was. So we'll see what he can do. I think he's the kind of guy who, um, when he's cold, is very easy to exploit um, by pitchers, especially left-handed pitchers. Um, but I could be wrong. But I, I don't have a lot of faith in him because because he's had a bunch of kicks at it and and they found holes in his swing on a fairly regular basis. Yeah, so it's just a matter of whether he's been able to learn how to close them. Yeah, and that, that's a tough call for anybody. Uh, speaking of projects that seem to go on forever for the Blue Jays, Anthony Alford. <laughs> uh, Anthony Alford, I don't know if he's happy that he took the whole baseball thing and gave up on the football thing at this point. Um, because it doesn't seem like either of them has gone particularly well. Bats right, throws right. Six foot one, two ten, twenty six years old, and cannot seem to get a a foot in the door with this team. The fact again that he's he's on the bubble. Um, interestingly, even this came up with the the taking a knee before the first game. Um, a bunch of the players did, and I believe it was uh, Biggio who, who yeah. asked uh, Alfred if he was going to take a knee, and he was nervous to single himself out. Um, because of his position on the roster by taking a knee. So, so Biggio said he'd do it with him in order to, you know, if that would make it easier for him. Which, I mean, I totally respect the gesture, but it also speaks to how Alfred feels about his, um, it's not his ability that's, that's, you know, that he's confident enough in to get him a, a role on this team, which is kind of sad. Yeah, I mean, also it could just be reality. <laughs> Looking at him, scoring him, in the, staring him in the face. Right, he came up yep. up in September last year, did not play, and then he that did not have no a very sense. good spring when he was trying to fight for a job. So you know, like he probably knows that he's really, really tenuously a member of the Toronto Blue Jays. Now the the strange roster situations this year might make it easier for him to stick around, but he's he's on the bubble and he he you know that that's hard to deal with. All right. Outfielder number two is a fish. <laughs> Derek. So Derek Fisher is, you know, left-handed thrower, right or hitter, right-handed thrower, 6'3", 215. It's only 26. Derek Fisher should, like, he's a good athlete. He's fast. He's got a decent arm. He's playing the wrong sport. Like, he, he doesn't look like a baseball player at all. <laughs> that said... His minor league numbers were quite good. He never got a chance in Houston because nobody gets a chance in Houston because they're roster, they're, they have an all-star <laughs> team. You watch him play. Like when he makes contact with the ball and when he does things, you can see all the tools and skills that are there. So if he gets a decent chance, it's worth finding out if he can actually tap into them with regularity. If not, then they just cut him. But I, there's so much upside there that I do get why he's still here. Yeah, it's not just some guy clomping around the outfield, um, you know, looking for which end of the bat to hold. But uh, I, I think, I think we we are always suspicious when the Blue Jays get someone in a trade that we've never heard of, and they really hype him up. Well, and I've heard he, of him. Well, <laughs> sorry that that a lot of people have have not you know been familiar with because he's he's a prospect, right? He's, he's not a full time major leaguer, um, and then and then he doesn't immediately jump on the scene and do something awesome. But we'll wait and see. Well, uh, he, he jumped on the scene and took a ball off the face. Like, it was, well, yeah, it was. It wasn't. It was less than ideal. <laughs> um, your next candidate is uh, sometimes, all the time, center fielder Randall Grichuk. Uh, Grichuk had the what the coldest start ever, and I exaggerate for the Blue Jays when he first 
you know, join the team. And then it looked like he had a bunch of things put together. And then he's 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 had some pretty poor on base um, situations, but decent power. We've seen great defense out of him in right, and then a hesitation to go to center. And then it was like, no, they just didn't tell me I, I was going to be the center fielder. I'm okay with being in center. I I don't know what happens when you let Randall Grichuk have a whole season with one position and, you know, let him ride with it. Because I, I don't feel like we've seen that yet. But he's he's 28 years old, so whatever you get from Randall Grichuk at this point, I think is all you're going to get. Yeah. I mean, so one thing about Grichuk, he was a center fielder for the Cardinals. I mean, he played other positions sometimes because they had a very flexible roster as well. But that's his position by trade. And by the metrics, he was as good a center fielder as Kevin Pillar not peak Pilar, but like two years in Pilar where he would just catch balls standing up that Pilar was diving for. So he didn't look as good. Yes. But he's actually a solid center fielder, or at least he was two years ago. We'll see how much that has carried over into his late twenties. You know, he brings power and that's on the offensive side. That's pretty much it. He's, you know, he's going to hit 240 with an on-base percentage around 290, the 300. So if he hits for power and plays good defense in center field, Still a very useful player. If he doesn't, he's not useful. It's a very fine line there. Um, another player who is, walks a fine line, I guess, you could say, is Lourdes Gurriel Jr., our next outfielder. Yeah, so Gurriel is a six foot four, 215-pound, 26-year-old corner outfielder playing left field currently. I mean, I could see him eventually moving, down, moving to right field or even center, depending on what the roster does. But... Guriel is unfortunate in that both years in his in his big league career, he started to get really hot and like was was showing the ability that made the Blue Jays commit to him the way they did in the first place. And then he got injured. It happened in 2018 when he was on that multi hit game streak. Mm-hmm. And then it happened in 2019 when he was on that power streak. So we haven't had enough time to properly evaluate to see if the skills are real. Or if, they can, or if they're sustainable, but the talent is definitely there. Yeah, he can definitely lock into something. And now that he is more comfortable defensively in left field, one would hope that, you know, he, he has an easier time of it. But he is currently still recovering from an oblique injury, is it? Or a, well, he's like, back. He's playing today. Oh, he is back today. Okay, sorry. I, I yeah. read an article from yesterday that said they hope he's back soon. <laughs> Apparently soon is now. <laughs> Um, all right. That was a minute 30 on Lourdes Gurriel Jr. So off to Teoscar Hernandez. So Teoscar Hernandez is the reason Derek Fisher's still here. Because Derek, I mean, they're the exact same player, just one's right-handed, one's left-handed. Toolsy outfielder who was blocked in Houston, who the Jays got for not very much. And Hernandez, the Jays worked with him, and they feel like they've turned him into a useful major league hitter. Now, obviously what happened last year was a short sample size, but he just went off after coming back from the minors and ended up be, you know, putting up a pretty solid line both years. He's here where he was above average hitter. And it's just like they can get him to consistently take that next step. Exactly the same kind of thing. Like what with, with Gurriel, just like that, these, these flashes just make them more consistent because the talent is there. And again, unfortunately in the 60 game season, this applies to Gurriel, this applies to Teoscar Hernandez and it applies to Fisher. <laughs> It's going to be tough to evaluate evaluate how much of anything actually is real. And obviously his defense, if it improves, was it a short burst or you know was it something in sustain over a full season? So 
it's going to be a real challenge for the baseball operations people. Especially outfield defense, where a guy might get two chances in a game or none. And then the next game, he has three balls hit to him in a row. Like, it's so hard to figure out whether a guy has improved on defense or he's just having a good day or not. Uh, Last position player on the official roster, not the taxi squad, is Billy McKinney, the lefty lefty. And I'd like to say, is Billy McKinney actually still on this team? 6'1", 205 pounds, 25 years old. I suppose he still qualifies. Does he qualify as a prospect in your mind still? Mm, I mean, ish. <laughs> <laughs> um, what 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 does Billy McKinney need to do to keep his spot other than continue to be left-handed? He needs the calendar to stop in two weeks. He's time to freeze <laughs> because he's the first guy dropped off of this thirty to twenty-eight man. Oh yeah. And I mean yeah. or he needs other people to get injured because he <laughs> the only reason he's on the roster is because they have 30 men. And Brandon and Brandon Jury is out and not officially, but very likely on the COVID IL. Because they don't need Billy McKinney. They've got five other outfielders. But you know, it's just like why not use the spot for someone if you can? He has an option, so they can send him down. I just don't see any chance that he stays up. I don't even know if he's gonna play that much while he's here. Right. All right, we're going to go right to the taxi squad. This is like our bonus feature that we used to do when we wouldn't know who the last guy in the roster was. Um, Because they are and they aren't on the roster. So, number one, Caleb Joseph, right-handed, 34 years old, one of the the oldest guy on the roster, I believe so, which is pretty much, I mean, your backup catcher in the backupiest sense of the word, he's always going to be your oldest guy in the roster, I feel like. Yeah, especially when he's a third catcher on a minor league deal. Like, that's that's what that guy is. Yeah, it's like, hey, just in case the backup catcher gets injured one night, you're going to be playing um, the next night or whatever. But, yeah, so that's... Now, the taxi squad counts as part of the 40-man? No. No, does not count as part of the 40-man, but travels and trains with the team still. That's correct, yes. Actually, two of the players on the taxi squad are not on the 40-man. Uh, number two is Ryan Barucki, who is on the 40-man. Yes, he's the only one. Uh, who is uh, left-handed. Uh, we thought that we were going to see him as a starter, uh, but we're not there at the moment. I wonder if the reason that they've done this is that... So, like, I thought that Barucki would be starting game three instead of Thomas Hatch. I wonder if it's because the idea is for that spot to go to Nate Pearson, who is the other person in the taxi squad... And then if Barucki goes out and does well, you can't take him out. Because Barucki has been good in the bigs and like and he earned he deserves a spot in the rotation. And if they know that's going to be a Pearson, they can't give it to Barucki for the one start. So I think that the idea for Barucki will be if a spot another spot opens, it's his. If not, they might send him down to the developmental squad so he can keep pitching regularly. Makes sense. And of course, the elephant in the room. That is the service time elephant. <laughs> Have you ever seen yeah. a service time elephant? <laughs> it looks like Nate Pearson. It looks exactly like Nate Pearson. So um, everyone is playing the game. Everyone knows that Nate Pearson is uh, in the Blue Jays starting rotation now because of how well he has showed in the spring. Only if they start, if they bring him up for his first start, not not four days in, like fourth day in, um, they would have to uh, give him an extra year of service time. And gee, the taxi squad does not accumulate service time. Isn't that a funny thing? Yeah, it's it's a weird. <laughs> it's, it's, the whole setup is very strange. I'm, Pearson will be up. 
um, yeah, uh, that's just what it is. Like it's, you know, it's stupid that this has to happen, but if he only has to be down for one start and you get a full year out of him, it would be insane not to do it. Yeah, that would be a waste of money. As much as I do not like this system, that would be it's just not like even money. It's a waste of like like he becomes a free agent a year later. Yeah. Like yeah, you exactly. have a deci- you can delay decisions for a year. Like it, it's just it would be malpractice not to do it. So they need to fix that in the CBA, but so while it's there. And why why would it be malpractice? Because he's 6'6", 250 pounds, 23 years old and throws 100 miles an hour with a wipeout slider and a good <laughs> changeup and he throws strikes. But other than that, uh he's nothing special. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to see Nate Pearson next week. Uh, But in the meantime, the Blue Jays are going to try and win some games. So that was, although I'm not sure about the exact timing because I kept resetting the timer. um, uh, That was 30 men in 45-ish minutes, plus some other bonus news from the Blue Jays. So do you have a final thought, sir? Yes, I do. I still don't know if Bravik Valera exists. (laughs) He, he was placed on the restricted list for unspecified reasons and had not reported to camp. This is not helping. <laughs> I said this on Twitter, and I will reiterate here. It's possible you have been Bravik Valera all along. <laughs> <laughs> this is your conspiracy campaign. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't understand. Unspecified reasons. That's a new one. Apparently, he didn't ever arrive after they claimed him off waivers, is what I read somewhere. Yeah, he never showed up. So it's like, is he there? Is he exist? Schrodinger's player. <laughs> I hope he's okay. <laughs> yes, I'm not we do laughing. hope he's okay. I hope he didn't get lost in transit or something. Um, yeah, I, I am. Uh, I am cautiously optimistic about this team because uh, here's here's your fun fact of the day. My final thought is the Blue Jays have the sons of four All Stars starting. Uh, they started their first game on the infield and batted one, two, three, four, I believe. Shaw. That's correct. Vigio, Guerrero, and Bichette, which is uh, wild. If if only genetics were everything in baseball, I think the Blue Jays would be going to the World Series. It's the first time that's ever happened, by the way, that an infield has been all sons of all-stars. Which I'm not surprised that that's the only time it's ever happened because it's been a long road to get all these guys on one team. Yep. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, so that is to say that uh, you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010. And this has been episode number 177 of Artificial Turf Wars. And we'll talk at you next week. 